0: And welcome back to Music Free Static. I hope you're having a fabulous day today. And today we're gonna to talk about part eight of Ahsoka, and yes, the final episode, the season series. We don't know yet. It came to an end. I think it's, I think it's just the season, maybe. I don't know. But they left it on a heck of a cliffhanger to end a series on. So <laughs> it's. I'm hoping for for news here soon, but oh, this is great! So again, we're going to talk full spoilers about episode eight: the Jedi, the Witch, and the Warlord. And this was a f- fun episode. Um, lots of good Star Wars, uh, lots of good Star Wars fighting and stuff. But very much, um, what I heard somebody describe it as an Empire Strikes Back like ending. Which isn't far off, to be to be honest. Now, it's fun. I'm, so I going to go through and just talk about sort of the characters and how they, where they were at today. As my cat is yelling in the background, so it kind of starts with with Elsbeth, Morgan Elsbeth, um, being fully, I don't know, initiated, accepted as a night sister. And you can go watch some like new rock stars or somebody talks about all of the Easter eggs. Of, oh, yes, this enchantment was the same as happened over here and whatever. All of that is true and very cool. But Elspeth was given the Sword of Talzin. Now, Mother Talzin was like the head night sister throughout the Clone Wars series. Um, she showed up a lot, actually. And I think we even saw her. Um, Using the sword of Towson against Mace Window, Mace Window, <laughs> no, Mace Windu, um, in one of the episodes of the Clone Wars, which was fun. It was actually a really good episode featuring Jar Jar Binks. So, yeah, fun, fun stuff. But I had to laugh. So she shows up, you know, and the the three sort of Night sister mothers or whatever they are. Are rewarding her for her work. And they, they do her initiation. Give her the sword and all that fun stuff. But she um uh, it, it kind of shows that Yeah, that the Knight Sisters goals are not thrawn's. Which was kind of fun. We'll get to that in a minute, but I had to laugh at Thrawn because he's he's watching this and and the nice sisters come and they put her one of them puts their hands on Elsbeth's face and green fire goes and and Thrawn's just in the background watching this like it's just another day at the office <laughs> and yeah, maybe it was maybe this type of thing happened all the time but I had to laugh it was just kind of fun so. Let's jump over to Ezra. Ezra did build himself a new lightsaber. Not surprising, right? And it's not like he was lacking in uh, lightsaber parts on Hu Yang's ship. And it was fun. He built a lightsaber and it, he used an emitter on the end of it that looks very much like what Kanan had on his, which was sort of a fun, fun nod. I'm kind of curious where he got a kyber crystal to power the thing, but, you know, those things tend to just show up when they're needed, so it's very possible that Ezra had found one and then just, but didn't really have the parts to build the lightsaber itself. So, that's something that we may find out in other storytelling later, who knows? We also got some interesting, fun bits about Sabine. You know, we uh, we know that Ahsoka didn't want ha- had left Sabine didn't want to finish her training because of some concern. But we found out that Ahsoka was afraid that Sabine was learning to be a Jedi to seek revenge for, well, the night of a thousand tears which killed off most of the Mandalorians on that planet and include, and her family as well. So you kind of can see that. And is throughout the Clone Wars was, was the type of person who would definitely want to seek revenge on occasion. You know, not that she was like dark and evil, but she was, she deeply cared for the people around her. It's the same problem that Anakin had in some ways is that he cares so much that it led to it, to his fall. I think Ahsoka may have been somewhat afraid of for Sabine in the same way. Now, Ahsoka herself has, I think she, she, her character arc was interesting through the series. One of my early complaints about Ahsoka, actually in the Mandalorian and Boba Fett episodes that she was in, as well as the beginning of this episode or this series was that Ahsoka was very somber, which was never really her character. Um, She was, you see in season seven, she's had a lot that she's had to deal with, but she was, she was still very much um, open to friendships and, caring about others and the plight of others. And it seemed like in uh, The Mandalorian, in, in The Book of Boba Fett, and the beginning of the Ahsoka series that Ahsoka had sort of closed herself off from everybody. And, you know, it could very well, I, would, I talked about it before, she was, she'd been dealing with uh, the trauma of having grown up a, a soldier in a war that was rigged against her to begin with and have that conflicted with her training as a Jedi of trying to be um, a defender of, of peace and justice in the galaxy, right? Well, she sort of learned, uh, especially through that World Between Worlds episode, that she got to choose her path. And since that point, you see her open up again She's opened up with Sabine. She's opened up with Hu Yang. And now, I think the discussion that she has with Sabine towards the beginning of the episode is illuminating. She she challenges Sabine a little bit. She says, okay, your gamble paid off. Sabine's like, yeah, it did. So, says, okay, it might not have. And Sabine's sort of... You can see her waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? And Ahsoka's like it might not have had you made another choice. But basically it was your choice and you made the best one for you and I'm here to stand with you for that. And it took Sabine a minute to to figure out what's going on and Ahsoka explains that, you know, her master, of course Anakin Skywalker, always supported her even when nobody else did. And in season five, when Ahsoka is framed for the, a bombing in the Jedi Temple, the entire Jedi Order turns on her, except for Anakin. He was always there. He, he was hunting for the truth, even when the rest of the Order was ready to expel her and give her over to the New Republic for um, trial and probably imprisonment or worse. And that's what led her to leaving the Order and she's realized that, that that's part of her role is to is part is to stand by her padawan stand by the person she's training cor- offer correction when it's needed because that's the role of any teacher but to be supportive and understanding of why in this case Sabine is making the choices she's making and that I think was an interesting arc. And that's leaving her in an interesting place for whatever is coming next. I'm going to assume there's a season two. They've got an interesting setup for one, so we'll we'll talk about more of that here towards the end. But Ahsoka really seems to have gotten her groove back. You know, she's she's definitely. So not only open to her friends and stuff, but she's like, all right, no, we're going to do this. And she's now back with some of the, uh, some of the jokes and she's back. Not like, yeah, you know, she was never like the comic relief, but she's back to some of that lighthearted banter. And she's back to, all right, let's do this. We'll see what happens and let's go, you know. So most of the episode is them storming the castle, okay? So they end up riding on their, their howlers, their happy giant wolves to, you know, dodging turbo laser blasts to get make it into the castle. And you definitely see why, hey, Jedi were awesome. <laughs> when you've got this Large squad of apparently volunteer night troopers. They volunteered p- to stay behind and have a slight change made to them. Um, so, the, and the whole point is they're there to stall the Jedi. Uh, now this gave a really fun insight again into Thrawn. Elsbeth is trying to tell him at the beginning of the episode. There's nothing the Jedi can do. The cargo is loaded, she says, as they're loading more cargo on. (laughs) The cargo is loaded. We are ready to go. There's nothing nothing they can do. And Thrawn's like, no. I've uh, underestimated Jedi before. Other Imperials have underestimated Jedi before. We are not doing that. We're going to prepare for a ground assault. And that's exactly what happens. And they prepare by uh, apparently uh, preparing a bunch of night troopers to become zombies, because that's what Star Wars has needed: a zombie uh, stormtroopers. <laughs> now, it was fun. the Night Sisters—we've seen them do this before. Um, there was an episode; it was General Grievous, who basically was sent down during the Clone Wars to wipe out the Night Sisters, and pretty well did. But as part of that, the Night Sisters raised up the their dead, basically, to fight against Grievous and company. So we see the same Night Sister magics used to reanimate stormtroopers. <laughs> and it was, definitely, it was definitely fun to see. You know, Ezra and Ahsoka, they just, and, and Sabine, of course, cut their way through this whole squad of stormtroopers. Um, Sabine being more comfortable with her blasters it's like, and, and Ahsoka knowing it and said, okay, put away the lightsaber, pull out your blasters, we are going to you know, go play to our strengths here. They wipe out the night troopers and they said, okay, we're good. And then the night troopers start getting up again. Like, oh, well, um, okay. <laughs> I guess we fight our way up the tower with them on our heels. And, and so that was fun and they... Couple of big hulking—I don't—I don't know if they even have a special name, but these were big night troopers in black armor, death troopers, perhaps. And they, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sabine shoots away the the face mask of one, and oh yeah, it is total zombie time. And you can see it tries to take a bite out of her arm, but of course she's got she's got her van braces on, which helps just a bit you know turns out beskar stops lightsabers stops blasters stops zombies good good times all around <laughs> so but it's fun but we also have what i was kind of a little bit of afraid of before when they talked about ahsoka training to use the force and not really being able to we get that deus ex Machina type of force use, similar to what Luke had in Empire Strikes Back. Here's Sabine. She's being pinned. She needs to get her lightsaber back. And that's when she starts being able to use the force. Okay. It's a little bit of... I mean, it's not unexpected. It just feels like it's a little too convenient, right? And it's not like she's suddenly for sleeping and doing all this other stuff right she's not but she's suddenly open to being able to use it which then leads to those interesting discussions of somebody who isn't strong in the force like sabine how much can you learn how strong can you get right and that'll be an interesting discussion for a later time hopefully during season two But you had a great scene of um, a a trick that they used a lot in Clone Wars of Ezra running, jumping a huge chasm, and then another Jedi, usually Kanan in the Clone Wars, using the Force to push him the rest of the way. In this case, Sabine pushed him the rest of the way to get him from the tower onto the now-departing Chimera Star Destroyer. And then rather than falling behind, she turns to help Ahsoka, who is now (laughs) uh, fighting Elsbeth, who's got the the Sword of Towson, and what's left of the zombie troopers. So, it's like, okay, what we now have is the Uno reverse card. Ezra's going home while Ahsoka and Sabine, uh, Sabine stay in the... Far galaxy, they stay stay on Perdia. Now, there was a lot of fun stuff in the battle. I mean, there are times that I kind of wish that something needed to happen with Rosario Dawson. Okay, not complaining about her as an actor or anything like that. It's there are times where I felt like she wasn't quite athletic enough for Ahsoka. Which, to be fair, is a little bit hard to be as athletic as the uh, youthful. Animated Jedi, okay? Well, there are a a few times where she's sitting there just swinging her lightsabers around, blocking blaster bolts, and it's like, this feels like it needed somebody with a a little more athleticism to make this look better. But, on the other hand, her fight with Elsbeth was great. Now, a little too much spinning for my tastes, but, it was really cool seeing Elspeth half sorting, which now, how her hand didn't catch fire from the green flames up and down the blade, I don't know. Or Night Sister Magic, I'm sure. But half sorting is not something you see often, and it was great to to see it come up. Half sorting, if you don't know, sorry, I'm a little bit of a sword geek. Um, is when typically, of course, you hold the, the sword by the handle, right? You hold it by the hilt, and you swing the sword and hopefully slice little bits off your opponent or big bits or whatever. But half sorting is when you take your hand and put it up the blade sometimes. And you see it sometimes in, in this battle, she's using it to block, right? So she'll put sword up and she's supporting with her hand on the hilt and one hand on the blade to give her more leverage when to stop a blow when it comes at her. Other times, what you see and you see this in like um, medieval uh, sword treatises um, and and you see it like in modern modern hema the the um, historical European martial arts stuff right is often what they would do is they would they would have sword to grab the grab their blade to give them more control to be able to fit the blade into the gaps of armor when they were fighting. Because it turns out swords are really, really bad against armor. But if you could find the the soft bits, you know, that that's great, but sometimes you need a little bit more control to do that. So it was kind of fun seeing Elizabeth half-sorting her way through some of these fights. And, you know, get uh, the sort of I think this this feels like it was not the first time that the, our heroes jumped off a high place only to land on a ship that Hu Yang was was flying or somebody else was flying, Back to the Future style. And of course, we get the classic Ezra of, oh, he hears some here's the the bad guys on the comms, and he uh, impersonates the stormtrooper and steals his armor, <laughs> right classic classic ezra this is they use that trick a lot in the clone wars it was fun but let's talk about what's happening now in season two again they haven't announced a season two as of this recording which today is what is today october 7th so they haven't announced anything they may be waiting for the strikes to end. The writer's strike is over at this point. The actor's strike is still going on. Bob Iger has sort of talked about wanting to scale back some of the production on Disney+. Plus, So, they may be waiting for something like that. But, this show was written and like it expects there to be a season two. Now, there is a, a movie that Dave Filoni is supposed to be doing which uh, could pick up from this point, but I think the way it's set up, there's too much to be part of that story. It really feels like what we're going to see is a season two, and maybe a season three or more, and then a movie. But the other thing is we could see the movie and still come back for season two. Not That takes place between the end of this season and the movie, right? I mean, you could tell the story out of order. This is Star Wars, after all. But let's look at sort of the the pieces that are in place. Okay, Thrawn is back in the main Star Wars galaxy. Now he dropped the Night Sisters and their cargo on Dathomir. Now this is where uh, we t- I've talked about or hinted at briefly that the Night Sisters had a slightly different motive than Thrawn, and you get a feeling that they're sort of I don't think the Night Sisters are necessarily supportive of Thrawn. They're not, though I was surprised at the deference they showed him in the last episode. But they definitely have their own agenda and are working together. Okay. When Thrawn hints and Elsbeth draws the conclusion herself that she is going to have to stay behind to hold off the heroes while Thrawn escapes, Thrawn's is, you know, long live the empire. And she says quietly to herself as he steps away, long live Dathomir, which is where the D- night sisters are from. So, uh, that, you can tell this is what her goal is and this is what the night sisters' goals are. It's to I think repopulate Dathomir with the night sisters. Their cargo, I'm almost conf- I'm almost 100% sure. Are stasis chambers for other Night Sisters? Ezra mentioned that uh, Thrawn woke up the mothers, and that obviously implies that they were sleeping. Well, Star Wars is a, a high science technology; stasis chambers are a thing, right? And you don't necessarily have to be frozen in carbonite to do it. So it's kind of where we're at, I think, is. The Night Sisters are going to be a force. I, and I didn't mean to use that pun, but I think that's the way it's going to be. <laughs> and, and we're going to be seeing more Night Sister storytelling from the High Republic era with the show The Acolyte, whenever that gets around to, to starting up. So we're going to be seeing a lot of Night Sister stuff, which could be fun. The Night Sisters are an interesting uh, group of characters. Okay, so Thrawn is back. And the New Republic knows about this. Ezra managed to steal a shuttle. In fact, it stole um, Balan Skull's shuttle. At least the one he'd been using. And in a fun replay of what happened at the beginning of uh, the series, this shuttle lands on a New Republic ship, only instead of a... Kind of warm welcome by the captain, before trying to call the, the the bluff of Skull and Hottie. It's a bunch of new Republic soldiers, including Hera, ready to just gun down whatever walks out of that ship. Now Hera of or co- er, er, Ezra of course is in the traditional I stole a clone a stormtrooper's armor. Great. Why the heck did he still have the helmet on when he stepped off that gang gangplank? He's coming down off that ship. He's He is just geared up looking like a uh, bad guy. Why is he still wearing the armor? Okay, maybe he had to take his clothes off to get the armor on. That's fair. But why is he still wearing the helmet? It's like, dude, we don't need that type of drama. Just the drama of his... the Sort of the pan up as he's walking down the ramp, right? Of stormtrooper feet and body... And there's Ezra in all his bearded glory, um no, he had to walk up, chopper, sort of recognizing him, and then he's taking his helmet off, okay all right, fine, it just seems like a really odd choice for from for Ezra, you know, but he knows what's coming, so so does the new republic, whether uh. Senator Jerkface back there will uh, will accept Ezra's word for it or not is a different story, but I think uh, I think the powers that be will. So you know, Leia will and Mon Mothma will and that type of thing, and that I think is what's going to lead into specifically. I think Filoni's movie is going to be the war against Thrawn. And I'm a little bit worried that Th- that uh going to do some more canon rewrites. And Thrawn's movie is going to be the end with the Battle of Jakku. Which is fine, but we've already heard that story in um, some of the other books. The Aftermath series of books, which I do not recommend those books. <laughs> the story is fine. The writing is horrible. Um i'm not even sure i particularly like the story but we do see the battle of jakku there you also see it in um claudia gray's um one of her books the name i'm i'm lost lost stars i think it is which was apparently very good and i haven't read that one yet so i can't say but the battle of jakku was the last battle of the empire now i don't know the timeline necessarily that probably already happened but I don't know, maybe maybe we'll see that well let's talk about the those who are left behind. so you've got ahsoka Sabine and Hu Yang with their ship they're sort of camping out helping the naughty the the uh naughty the the little hermit crab guys, but I'm not sure they're staying with them. ahsoka talks about that it's time to move on. So, you get the feeling that they're going to be, in fact, doing just that. Now, you also see Morai, which is the sort of the owl that has been following Ahsoka ever since her run in with the Mortis gods, and is sort of the symbol of the daughter of that, that trinity. And since Ahsoka pretty much has the daughter's life force, that's how she survived. Uh, that that's an episode in and of itself multiple episodes in and of itself good arc but hard, hard and weird to explain but it's sort of a sign anytime it shows up that Ahsoka is kind of where she needs to be in some ways it's almost a hint at the will of the force if you want to look at it that way now assuming their ship is working they are living on a planet now that is the home of the Purgle graveyard. The Purgle hyper back and forth to these places all the freaking time. In theory, the Purgle could show up again and that Ahsoka, Sabine, Yang, they could go home at any time. <laughs> Next time the Purgle show up, they could do the same thing, hop in, you know, hop in the mouth of one and hyper their way back home. Now, the Pergo got a little cheesed off by the minefield on the way in, so it's very possible they won't be around for a while. But they know how to get home, so it's it just is a matter of timing and that type of thing. So that could be fun, but I have a feeling they're going to be there for another reason. And that other reason, I think, is whatever it is Balin's skull is up to. Now, we got almost nothing of of Skull and Hottie in this episode, because I think their story is happening in the next, whatever is happening. So I'm going to call it the next season, however that shows up. But the episode kind of ends with Skull standing on an Argonath-like statue of the father, with the statue of the son next to it, and a... Okay, admittedly headless, but statue of the daughter on the other side, right? This is the standard mortis gods trinity. And he's looking at something that is flashing in the background or in the background in the far distance, which could be anything, knowing feloni. So it could be the source of the force. It could be... um, uh, another name has been thrown out that was sort of tied to the mortis gods i did it's not from storytelling that i've ever read so i i don't know could be any number of things unfortunately ray stevenson the actor who played balen Skull, died here this last year and, and it is uh, it's unfortunate cuz he was he did such an amazing job he stole that anytime he was on screen man so it's going to be kind of disappointing to have uh, somebody else in that role. But but that'll be interesting. But it's also possible that whatever he's looking for will sort of also be a an entrance to the world between worlds, which is another way that our heroes can get home. So that could be fun. Now, Hadi, on the other hand... She shows up, you see her walking towards the uh, camp of the, all the raiders, and she raises her lightsaber to announce herself, and the look on her face is the look of one, looks like she has nothing left to lose. You know, she was looking forward to power and her place in, in Thrawn's new empire, and now she is alone on a distant planet in a distant galaxy with no chance of getting home from her perspective. And so the look on her face was one of, I've lost everything. Her master is gone because Skull went off to do his own thing. You know, her, her ride left, right? And now she's left to do, to survive somehow. And I have a feeling that she's going to just fall completely unhinged dark side and take her revenge off on everybody. And so you start looking at that storytelling. I could see season two completely ignoring Thrawn, right? Thrawn's story will be told elsewhere, but season two is Skull and Hottie, Ahsoka and Sabine and Hu Yang, all these people who are now on Perdia and their story. Now, part of the reason I think that could be the case is I th- I think, one, it would be a cheaper story to tell, potentially. Because it's a story that can be told um, with fewer special effects. <laughs> right? But that, I think, is a story that Filoni would really want to dive into to, to tell more of what's happening with Ahsoka and her relationship with Sabine, her role now as a teacher with her own Padawan. Um, what is happening with with Skull as, and whatever he's looking for, right? he Filoni's all into the sort of the Force mysticism stuff. And that's where I think a season two could really focus. Now, sure, you could cut back and forth between the two stories if you wanted to, of here's everyone on Perdia, here's the New Republic dealing with Thrawn, but it's hard to say right there are there are options and i want to see those options i really want to see those options but they at least as of this morning here on you know october 7th at 7am mountain daylight time they have there's no announcements of what's happening with a potential season 2 But I'm hoping it comes because I really like this pairing of Ahsoka and Sabine, especially a reawakened Ahsoka. And and Huyang was all sorts of fun. I love David Tennant as Huyang. That that's just he's just been a fun character. So we'll see, we'll see. But until then, uh, if you want to tell me what you think, drop drop your thoughts here in the comments on YouTube. Or join the Discord server and we can talk Ahsoka all day, man, because I love that stuff. But until next time, be excellent to each other. And this is Music Free Static signing off.